G'day folks, it is the coach here and boy oh boy is it a Cities of Sigma love fest this weekend. And funnily enough, of all things, like I was just talking to my guest Joe before we went, went live, we've had this video set up for a few weeks now and we are recording literally a week after the LVO where Living Cities has actually won the LVO. So Gavin had gone 5-0, and went into the, the top eight and then knocked it out. My guest is not Gavin. Gavin, we've already spoken to, and he's already talked about Living Cities, and I'll get him back into the channel in the future. But I'm joined by Joe. Joe has come from the Great Plains Masters Series in the Midwest, and I'm going to get Joe to explain a bit more because it wasn't quite on my radar until Sean, who people might know from the Warhammer Weekly episode with the Legion of the First Prince legend in my community really active in my discord um and he's like hey fyi this is coming up and the tournament organizer reached out i actually wasn't aware of the um this midwest scene and i, I i'd love to know a little bit more from yourself joe but you had actually won the series so it was like a best of the best you know you guys had your wrap up for the competitive year and you played a knockout finals and you had won that so the best of the best from that scene and my guest Joe is going to talk a little bit about Living Cities and spoiler, it's not it's not Gavin's list. It's a completely different list. And it'll be great to kind of get some comparisons around incorporating Stormcast, but also playing more to the core of Cities of Sigma. Because I know some people might not want Forminators and they won't want Dragons and they won't want to just spam all that good stuff from Stormcast. But before we get into that, let's actually get into my guest. Joe, who are you? Let the internet know this is your debut on the channel and tell me more about this Great Plains Masters that uh, I have only really learned this year. Hi, I'm Joe. Um, I've been playing, I think, since AOS first dropped. So um, I got a starter set with my friend. We split it, played corn, don't have any of those models left. But uh, ever since then, I've sort of fallen in love with the game. Um, Interesting thing about Oklahoma is there's actually been a really good community that's been built up here, but up at Edmond Unplugged. Um, we usually on a Tuesday night have about 10 to 12 players, and that sort of spurned this whole great, uh, it used to be the Midwest Master. Um, and we did that last year, I think our first year. Um, and this this last uh, competitive season, we sort of tried to expand it out to a few different states. And we're starting to really build that. So now we're starting to see people from Kansas all up to Missouri and Oklahoma. Um, I'm sure we'll start getting a few more people as we spread out. And basically we just take, I think it's like the top five tournament results. And then we have, you know, scoring system for that. And then generally at the end of the year, the top eight who have the most points uh, compete against each other. And the idea, I think, is the store that wins it is where that's going to be hosted next year. So there's a way to, to help bring, you know, um, attention to the gaming store as well. I think I think we want to have a traveling trophy, something we're working on too, so that we could travel around different stores. So it's something we're trying to build up. That's uh, something I, I can definitely see us uh, hopefully expanding upon and getting more people, maybe playing other regions. No, it's great. It definitely, you know, Texas, the Texas master scene has been great. You've obviously got the ITC communities, you know, especially around mostly East Coast, West Coast. And from what I've heard, um, your scene very much is like the UK, the Australian and the uh, New Zealand scenes where you um, have like a best of the best tournament. You take like the top three or the top five results from those that that season, um, whatever, however long that season might be. 
and you have a one day or a two day tournament. So Joe mm -hmm. played through the best of the best, um, absolutely kicked ass. And I love the idea of a traveling, um, a traveling competition. And I know before we went live, you were talking about maybe it'd be great to kind of line up with like the Texas guys and maybe mm -hmm. champion on champion at a, you know, upcoming GT or maybe like a, Something we did in Australia was a uh, like a best of the best, like top five or top seven, and we all played like a game before um, the tournament. But that's really cool. I guess you know Joe's got some street cred. I'm not just pulling out some person who 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 just picked up Cities of Sigma Battle Tome. He actually, funnily enough, I didn't know this. You've actually been playing around not just with Living City. You've actually got um, you've been you know playing competitively and podium with podi podiuming. Um, mm -hmm. with a whole bunch of other cities. So today we definitely focused on the living city. And in previous discussions, and, you know, one thing I really want to understand, Joe, is mm -hmm. in previous discussions, I know when I spoke to Gavin, when we did like in, uh, a first first thoughts around cities in, in Age of Sigma 3, you know, in second edition Age of Sigma, we saw Hallow Heart do really well. We saw Tempest Eye do really well. We saw Hammer Hall do really well. We didn't see a lot of living cities. And, and look, it, it's definitely a more technical army. It was around, but it was never it was never known as a top-tier army. Now, good players played it, and most players kind of didn't use it to their advantage. But third edition has come around, and Living City is the army that's doing the best when you look at like from a cities of cities of Sigma point of view. So I guess I want to kind of know from your side of the fence, you know, Hello Heart brings magical supremacy. Mm -hmm. uh, Hammer Hall lets you do the double pile in and, and you know, double combats. Um, you know, Tempest Die was really good for shooting and, you know, that fast movement and yeah. plus one armor save and aura of glory. What is it about Living City that has really taken advantage of third? I think that's probably the first thing that I, I want to kind of get, like an understanding of additions uh sure for me i i think the smaller battlefields has really helped because um you know the big thing that everyone sees when they look at living cities is that oh you can deploy something off the board and you get this something that can shoot move and shoot um but really with the smaller boards you're not pigeonholed into just putting something off the board and doing that like there's a lot of different units i mean definitely from the stormcast side where you can deploy them in your own field you have a big enough movement where you can move up shoot and then move i mean 20 inches is a huge movement with just you know something with uh, any type of the draconian guard i mean that's a that's a lot of movement that you can move across the board either to go grab objectives or to swing around and hit the softer targets. Um, I also think the army sizes being smaller is really helping too, because you're not dealing with trying to chew through like 60 clan rats, or, you know, I mean, you still deal with it in someone dead list, but you know, I'm dealing, when I look at things like chaos list, I'm not seeing so many like huge blobs of like 60 marauders running around the board. Um, you're seeing a lot more dedicated to bigger monsters, which leaves a lot more openings and things like that, that you can really focus on and hit those weak points. Um, I also think the bonuses, you know, being capped also help because one thing I'm looking at uh, things I play with is, you know, can I run independently? You know, I'll mention Fulminators a lot just because of it, but like Fulminators can mostly support themselves. I don't need to have a bunch of buffs. So it is something I can go run off to this side. Um, 
Um, trying to think of other good range units. It... <laughs> but but let, I want to pause you there because you make a comment that I'm sure, you know, the, the pink elephant in the room is that we've always had access to Formulators. You know, we could always do one in four Stormcast and it would gain the Cities of Sigma, Sigma keyword. It would gain the City of Choice. So in this case, Living City. So why why is it like Formulators now? are so much better in second, so in third than second, right? Because you're right. You know, one of the things that Gav and I were talking about in the last Cities of Sigma discussion on the channel was that the board sizes have fundamentally changed. And that works in our favor a few ways. Um, it certainly works in the fact that um, the objectives are more center in the board. Mm -hmm. It means the distance from a deployment is far greater. So we don't have to rely on coming in from reserve but, it, but the other big change, as you mentioned, was that there's far less models on the table, whether it's because mm -hmm. of Hero Hammer and, and kind of the safe stacking hero monster focus we're in now, or it's just the battle pack that we're playing in. You know, if when we stop playing in these Gurish Heartlands, maybe there'll be less monsters and maybe there will be more hordes. Maybe there'll be Skaven, there'll be Gits, there'll be uh, much more bodies on the table. We saw like um, Levan at LVO do really well with like 120 zombies. So you've got much more space on the table to take advantage of reserve, where previously, you know, it was very easy or a lot easier to zone you out from the good spaces for mm -hmm. the deep strike. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and going back to something you said, too, I think the other big change... <laughs> Um, yeah, sadly, I think the other well, big so, change that, is... that's, that's a good point as well. Like Gareth, Gareth, uh, Gareth saying there, the Stormcast got an update as well, right? So that's probably yeah. one big update and the formulators did get an update. So it's probably worth acknowledging. Yeah. No, I was going to say the big thing is getting that extra rent. So being, running around with uh, minus two and as huge, you know, um, uh, the, the funny joke I always have with a friend Mitchum who plays Stormcast up in our circle a lot is he always gets really excited for Stormcast and I was like I do too because I steal all your good stuff um, so like I think that's been a huge deal for them maybe the extra wound too is very helpful because it just you know I can stay on the table longer for them um, it's the same thing with the dragons too I mean I mean when you can move what 36 inches with them in one turn you can move in the hero phase move shoot and then move again i mean if you really need to get somewhere you can get there with those dragons yeah um, I, I think i think you know gareth made a comment you know it's not specifically and, and this is a really nice summary it's not that it's a specific that living city become great between second and third it's this perfect storm that stormcast became good so there's some really good melee options and from a city's point of view, um, I mentioned to, to my guest Joe before we went live that I prefer to play Tempest Eye, Hammer Hall, or Hammer Heart, or Hello Heart. They're the three cities that I mostly prefer to play. Uh, and tomorrow I'm actually talking to um, Jeremy who ran the Phoenicium at LVO. Mm. So um, Phoenicium's an army that I've never touched and I've never understand yeah. why it's good. And in second edition, I actually never did a video. It's like the only city I actually did no videos on. I think I even did more Mist Harvin content than I did uh, Phoenician, right? <laughs> but when I, when I was building personally living cities lists in second edition, one of the challenges, even in, in, in when I did Hammer Hall, you don't have a lot of good melee options naturally in cities, right? You know, there's a couple mm -hmm. of, like, Demi Griffs are okay. Yeah. Dreadlord on Black Dragon is okay. Like, 
like there's not really a lot of good melee focused like even the the flame phoenix is okay yeah. but when formulators and the um uh the storm drake guard and you know like you do storm drake chariots like, there's a lot of actually good melee options and now you've got things like darilia from um the the the, the father and, and daughter combination the mm -hmm. witch hunters you got the karazai krondus Lord Draconis, as well as the not Draconis, as well as like the Stormgrave Guard, we've mm -hmm. actually now got some really good options in in melee, and and we're abusing the coalition rules. Yeah. Now, now I'm really concerned as a cities player that the minute we get updated, whether it's in an FAQ or in like Dawnbringer Crusades or whatever comes next for cities, I am scared that we are going to become consistent with chaos. Because when you look over the fence, it, all four of the Chaos Gods, sorry, Skaven, but when you look at, like, the combinations, you know, Nurgle doesn't, Nurgle coalition forces don't gain the Nurgle key, like the Maggotkin keyword. You know, mm -hmm. this, the, the others don't get it either, which then means that what we do with our tricks with, like, living cities doesn't really work if we were consistent with what Chaos gets. I don't know if yeah. you have any thoughts on that, but I'm 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 always conscious that you know I'm just waiting for the day for them to make that consistent for us. Yeah, it's one of those. Um, it, it's I would it would make sense to me if it happens. Um, it would suck, but it's one of those things to me. It's just the nature of the game. Um, and I, I've always been the type of person who likes to look at sort of like what's been going on the meta and I try to like to build something out of my own list or my own sense out of it that sort of either plays off of it or something I feel happy with. So um, I can see it happening just because of the changes that happened. The Stormcast has made it really, made City strong, I think in many of the cities. Um, and I don't know if it was like an oversight on their part or something that they just figured the this you know eventually 3.0 will update and it'll sort of work itself out. Um, but yeah, it is something that one day I'm sure it'll hit and you know people that play cities. Hopefully, the other things we get in the book, then maybe hopefully Demogriff Knights become you know good at that point, like really good. Um, or hopefully they give us uh, other options that that are more in line with the book where we can do things with the units inside of it. We don't rely so heavily on those uh, coalition units to really make up, um, you know, because, I mean, there are a few good other uh, melee options. Like, I've done really mean things with hammers to people. People hate my hammers. Um, I think in one tournament I was playing, I cursed Archeon. Oh, no, I destroyed Nagash in one turn because I cursed him and then had Aura of Glory on and I had the command trait from um, the Dwarf Lord. So I was four attacks apiece and I think I did about 65 mortal wounds between all the attacks onto Nagash. So, so like there are some good melee options in there that you can do things with, but um, it is becomes very... Um, combo heavy and to go back to your point before i think the other thing that really um that's really been different about this edition is i don't think we're seeing as much hero sniping as well because um when i played living cities before like you know i played with the you know 30 block of phoenix guard and then you have the frost heart behind them and then another wizard they make them minus two to rend 
and they're really a big pain in the butt, but it doesn't really matter much when someone can, you know, snipe out your, your sorceress in the back, in which case you're losing your minus one ren. So I think that's another thing we're seeing too, is that there's not a lot of hero sniping going on. Why I think, you know, we're starting to see some things like fire slayers and things like that also come back. Cause I think a fire slayer list won the, uh, the GW like grand tournament thing that they had. Um, so if we ever see the, the shooting become oppressive again, I think that'll also hurt as well. Just something that I it's thought funny. from 2.0 to 3.0. It's funny you say that because in in 2.0, I would take two or th- well, especially in in first edition, in, in and in second edition, I always love taking a small unit or multiple small units of handgunners to get that Hockland long rifles because it ignores mm-hmm. lookout sir. Uh, I think it does two damage from memory. Yep. So if I had two or three of them, and there's that that five wound hero that um, I could get the free guild general to get plus one to hit, plus one to wound, mm-hmm. and just try to pop that 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 buff piece. Um, but you're right. Now lists are being built, and there's far less reliance on small heroes. You know, you are, you know, I would always have in my cities two or three small heroes and I'd go for the adjutant, right? I'd always like my general would never be the, you know, the free guild general on Griffin or the prime or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. It was always something to get me that free CP to get the bodyguard stuff. And, um, you know, like an anointed on foot was always a great general or anything like that. But now you're right, but with like Lumineth Sentinels and um, Daughter's Bow Snakes, and there's so much range mortal wound going around, the meta has definitely shifted away from relying on those five wound, yeah. five up armor save heroes. And you can't even make, you know, I remember in Hallow Heart, I'd make sometimes my general the, um, the what's the Stormcast Wizard, the Knight, uh, Knight Encantor, you know, oh, having okay. a three up general um mm-hmm. was always good and um was it oh i was gonna say um crap i forgot what i was gonna say about that oh well <laughs> oh because the, now the shift too like a lot of the shift like when we saw in 3.0 it was like gargants were big and now the question is sort of like do you have enough damage to kill a gargant and so i think that's always sort of the big question now instead of can you take care of the small little buffing heroes because you know you don't have to worry so much about you know witch elves or the 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 witch elf priestess buffing up a bunch of witch elves you know now is can i kill a gargant one like a, a gargant every turn or two yeah yeah 100 percent. it's definitely a gargant is now is it's well it it is the um the pinnacle of like if i have a mega gargant sitting on top of an objective i can't I can't just remove it through multiple rounds of combat. If I want to reclaim this objective because it counts mm-hmm. as 20 per model, I've needed to take it back. So um, you're right. I think, you know, and, you know, there's been comments around things like great swords and like there's some okay melee, but I think to come back to our original point, the um, the living city really does take advantage of some really good melee options in mm-hmm. the meta. There's been good options. You know, Sylvaneth have had some changes. There's been drops in, like, the Spirit of Durthu. You've got the Warsong Revenant now, which is a new model that wasn't around in the last – well, I mean, it was on the back end of second edition. Um, if Sylvaneth gets an update in this roadmap, um, you know, you get to take advantage of one in four Sylvaneth. Yep. You get to take advantage of any boosts to Stormcast. And obviously, we've just gotten a whole bunch of new Stormcast in third edition dragons like it's it's a good time to be a cities player and um and if you know carriage get updated or any other faction that is a one in four or 
whatever it might be, Lumineth, obviously, um, in, yep. in um, uh, Settler's Game. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great time to be alive. But um, why why Living Cities? Kind of come back to the original topic. Sure. I want to kind of dig deep. Like, we, we kind of set the scene. Good time to be Living Cities. Good time to be Cities because overall – Lots of good stuff happening and a lot of things you take advantage of. I'm I'm still playing Tempest Eye. I like Tempest Eye. I'm I'm OG. I like my plus three movement. <laughs> I like my aura no. of glory. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a drug addict when it comes to aura of glory. Um, it actually came out because I was playing a Tempest Eye list, and that's what I was thinking about um, playing for the tournament. I was playing around with a uh, four dragon list, so I could move 15 inches in the hero phase, and then you know move another 15 inches, turn one, get the plus one save. Um, and then I was also spell bridging 20 hammers across with them, in which case you can run a phoenix up there to stay up with them, cast Or of Glory off of him. Um, in which case, you know, you're, you're getting three attacks apiece. But what I was finding was, you know, the dragons don't always hit as hard as I'd like them to. Um, the Storm Drake Guard, I believe they're called. Um, like, they don't hit as hard. The hammers could basically take out whatever I want, but the problem is that they didn't really have a good follow-up. Like, once I wiped out whatever they're hitting, then something would come in and wipe them out, and I'm missing a big chunk of my army. Um, and I was realizing I was just playing too fragile of a list, and so for me, it really started around just having that really big block of 30 Phoenix Guard um, and basically putting them a Phoenix behind it. So the Living City gave me the option of, you know, it seems really small back in 2.0 but that healing once per hero phase with now the heroic healings actually adds up really well with that that uh you know frost uh frost heart phoenix because he's really hard to kill so just guaranteeing those healing um and then really it came around a um i need some threats behind it so instead of having to worry about doing a spell bridge to throw dwarves across the board, I might as well go with Living Cities where I can pop up off the board if I need to with Fulminators. So it basically I needed less support to throw Fulminators around and I have and more movement with them and more playability than Hammers who more felt one and done. And that is another point that we forgot to mention was that endless spells changed significantly for yes. us and we no longer did the range extension. So there was a couple of cities, there was a couple of endless spells that were really good in Caesar Sigma. And one specific one that was very common and Carlos yeah. mentioned, you know, can I do a Duarden build? So this is a nice little little segue. Yes, you can absolutely focus purely on Duarden. You go into Tempest mm -hmm. Eye and you can do one in four character and overlords as well, right? So you could have you know, Fire Slayer's allies, you could have, you know, Tempest Eye, Dwarden um, as a one in four, and you could then do, you know, everything from the Dispossessed line. So you could absolutely go pure Free Guild, pure Darkling Carbon, pure Dwarden, or the best of both worlds. But back to our original point, the uh, Umbra Spell Portal, not Umbra Spell Portal, stupid Soul Screen uh, Bridge. Yes. The Soul Screen Bridge was a very common tactic for us in, in second edition where you'd get uh, a bunch of Iron Drakes with a Warden King and a Rune Lord yeah. and, and Hammerers to kind of protect them. And it was your delivery mechanism to get up the board. Mm -hmm. And now, because what happened for cities is we'd get a range extension. I think it was like bridges were within 12 inches of each other, but cities could be 18 or 24. So like 24. Yeah, it was super generous, and it meant that we could then get our, our medium – because we don't have a lot of long-range shooting. It's all medium-range, 18 to 24, uh, you know, mostly around the 18 mark. And obviously, Duarte gets some good benefits if you don't move, so they're set up 
um, you know, loops around that. But we lost that. So it means then that, you know, living cities with the coming in from reserve on the side, set up the Iron Drakes on, on a flank. They're counting as a setup, not as a move. So you can still take advantage. And uh, and Gavin did the same thing with um, Crossbowmen. If Crossbowmen mm -hmm. don't move, they get multiple shots. Jirelia yep. gets multiple shots. Um, so Living City delivers that where no other city, unless you go Mist Harvin, but Mist Harvin focuses on the Darkling Coven and, and Draconis stuff then that mm -hmm. Dwarden couldn't benefit from. Oh, yeah, certainly. Um it's it's yeah it's i think going back yeah the, having that uh spell bridge you know being able to teleport your whole army across um was such a huge deal and now it's you know now you get one unit it, now everyone has 18 um you know with the spell bridge you can go 18 but now you can only move one unit you can still do some mean things with that spell bridge though um um because the remember the one thing that's nice too and good for stormcast players is uh the battle mage from gur gets plus two to charge the friendly unit so you can ally him into a stormcast but you know i've I played around with things like putting um you know uh what are they called you know evocators on foot in which case you can do them throw them into the spell bridge get plus two to your charge that's why hammers i can usually get where i want to because they're coming out of that spell bridge with plus three to charge i mean i just need a six inch charge at that point to hit whatever i need to um so you have a lot of things that you can play around with so it's still there but it's not as good as it used to where, yeah, where you just sort of plop down your iron drakes and whatever screen you want in front of them you just say have fun chewing through this i'm going to shoot you to hell wherever this is and I guess that's another reason why Living City has become popular because the movement shenanigans that we have, because our our fast moving units aren't that strong. Like I played around with some pistoliers the other week, and I was mm -hmm. I was underwhelmed with what pistoliers are doing right now because yes, I get lots of shots, especially like I, I can shoot on the charge, but I was underwhelmed because of the so many safe stacking and all that defenses and finest hours and this you know mystic shield getting plus one um you know i was just completely underwhelmed with with them but i, I want to ask you one question about living cities mm -hmm. and their play style and then going to bring up the rules to talk a little bit more about how you look at this faction because i think that they're interesting and i, I definitely don't want to say to everybody go get dragons and the um because yeah. i've really enjoyed krondus and karazai living city actually it's probably krondus and karazai are much better in cities than they are yes. in Stormcast. And, yeah. and um, the fact that Krondus, which is the wizard dragon, gets to benefit mm -hmm. from Life life Surge, the yes. healing spell. And there are two cities out of the six or seven or whatever it is um, of in the core book that actually has healing. So, you know, mm -hmm. you want to keep your dragons alive. I really like Living Cities and Hallow Hut for that reason. But what's the play style of um, – how would you describe the play style of Living Cities for someone who, who like me, is more of a Tempest Eye, Hello Heart, um, Hammer Hall, Grey Water kind of person? Um, I would say it, it can be very tanky depending on how you build them. Uh, the spell with the minus one, the wound, is uh, not as powerful as it used to be from 2.0, but it's still a good effect because, um, you know, many things across in this game give plus one to hit. Very few things give plus one to wound. Um, with the addition of Finest Hour, um, you know, that's 
and a very but there's very few spells and abilities so even having that minus one to wound is a big deal um so you can play them very tanky with phoenix guard and a and a frost heart behind that i find that's very hard to move um which case then with that solid foundation you basically then start working on your threats because i mean phoenix card are still a big threat to deal with because they get a two inch range so you're swinging ranks of three um that's about 60 attacks coming from them and that's a hard unit to kill um and as an example in the tournament i played uh the first guy i played chris he threw six varengard into them and i think he killed five in the first swing and then he piled an attack twice and i think he killed another five the next swing you know and, and that's you know, that's a big unit that he had buffed to, you know, to everything that he could throw on them. And I think I took down two or three uh, Varengard with my swing back with them. And the Phoenix also is a two-inch range, so he can sit behind them and still get attacks as well and still be hard to hit. So in which case, then it's about how do I build my fast-moving thing so I can go grab objectives or can I build some range behind it to sort of sit behind it? I don't like to, I don't like to put a lot of range behind something like that because then I feel too stuck in one spot so i like to go with faster units with some demogriff knights like my list had um you know fulminators things that you can deep strike or uh, come off the edge you know things in that come off the edge don't have to be the thing that shoot either like it's also good to just pop up that threat of having something behind as well as a huge thing um you know putting demogriff knights on into the into the reserve and then knowing your your opponent still has to deploy and think about that as they deploy that to make screens that they can't just sort of leave this whole side because I could just, uh, you know, pop them up on the left side, take that objective, and in which case now I can continue moving my way over. So um, the play style is essentially, again, it, it's it's very technical, I guess. Um, you have to, I think, understand cities a bit better and what to know um, where to use and how to use it. Because um, it's not something I feel like you just sort of deploy fulminators in there and you're just like, cool, I'm going to win because there's still a lot of ways to mess using those things uh, from reserve. So I, I guess I would say the play style is technical, but you still have a lot of options to play around with. Uh, as you said, yeah. too. Um, oh, so the other thing I thought of is their their healing spell heals D6. So as we talked about before the show, too, Alariel, like she could take that spell and she's healing D6 as well because it's a D6 heal on top of her own healing. So she can play the flanks really well and she can benefit and, from throwing something and moving and stuff like that. And heroic action as well. She can heal another yep. another D3 as well. So, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot in the chat as well. They're talking about, you know, we definitely are in a mortal realm, a mortal realm, we're in a mortal a wound meta. And mm. I, I love that Cities has such a deep li list that, you know, if you need a really tough screen of, um, you know, you get some Phoenix Guard, throw in Hunters of the Heartland, you know, to so they can ignore things like monstrous actions or, um, and they obviously have a great, you know, they'd be very hard and you can make them battle line or you could make them not battle line mm -hmm. and, um, you know, not give away broken ranks. You know, you need some long range. You've got some long range. If you need those mortal wounds, you can tap into some long strikes. You can tap into the best of whatever the armies are. I remember I would play around a lot with, you know, um, carriage and overlords, gunships, you know, the um, the gun haulers, like, yeah. you know, they were, you know, great to be able to pop in from reserve on other sides. You know, you got Shadow Warriors and Canary, and there's just mm. so many good things. And you're right, with, with the Living City specifically, it's very tactical because what you put on the table, you can null null deploy. You can put things in reserve. 
you could get things like assassins and, you know, choose wherever you want to pop it on the table. And my guest tomorrow, Jeremy, will talk a little bit about how, because he's got three assassins in his lists. Yeah. And I, I have never been a fan of assassins since we lost access to the sort of judgment. Like mm -hmm. we've never had a really good melee weapon to like get in and just get the assassin and just go stabby stabby. But he used it obviously in a very different way. And now we are tomorrow conversation, but you know, you really can, because there's so many less models on the table uh, and especially with some of them where, you know, you're fighting over five, you know, or more uh, objectives or maybe even, um, you know, turn three, you lose, you know, you, you burn an objective. It can be challenging for some armies to, to shift around the board to play the objective game, but you can have so many tools to, to move around the board and play really 40 chess. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, it's a, that that move, shoot and move is it gives you so much movement. But even if you don't have that, like getting the plus one to end the spells, like the spell bridge, as much as we were talking about before, it's still very valuable to um, you know. Like I play with Tempest Eye, but even I could use it in Living Cities, where that eighteen inches you can essentially redeploy and move things around and go grab objectives with it. Like that's generally what I use it. It's to throw something across the board, and then I still use it to sort of move around the uh, board of, you know, let me shift this wizard. You know, it may seem silly, but let me shift this wizard to go grab this backfield objective over there. Or I can move him out of harm's way and still hold an objective and, and um, move around the board. So um, with Living Cities, I, I agree. It, it's a completely, it's very technical, but again, it, it comes from just understanding, I think, the city's roster and how to use the individual things in the city's roster. Well, let's talk cities. Let's actually so to to set the scene, people. If you're not if you're new to cities, this oh I'll, I'll have to change my little banner. I thought I'd be all fancy with my little overlay. <laughs> but what you've got here is you have cities of Sigma have um, specific benefits. So you've got yourself um, all of the city stuff in general, right? The ways of the free people. You've got the honored retinues. You can have like bodyguard rules. You get the adjutant, so you can potentially generate an extra CP and a four plus. You know, one in four can be stormcast. There's a whole bunch of things that come with um, cities just in general. But I thought I'd kind of chunk down a little bit further to go, right, well, I've never really looked at living cities potentially. What is it specifically that this faction brings? And I thought I'd get your insight to go, well, how do you think about these rules? Is there some things that you build around? Is there things that, you know, you, you, you don't worry about? First off, living city comes from Gairan. Does that, does that impact you at all other than the narrative of, you come from Gairon. No, not really. Ever since they switched all the uh, was that the forbidden magic that like not really never. Yeah, cool. All right, you, you, you're from the living city. You're from somewhere. You're in. You know, you're you're, you're helping Sylvaneth. You're kind of beating Nurgle. Cool, nice narrative. One in four Stormcast. So you've got your one in four Stormcast, which is Cities of Sigma. But then you've mm -hmm. also got access to one in four Sylvaneth. So it means if you really wanted to, one in four is Stormcast, one in four Sylvaneth, and then two in every four, two in every four is Cities of Sigma or Ally. What do you think about the Sylvaneth side? Is is there things that Sylvaneth bring to the table? Is this something you're going to keep an eye out when they get an update? Like, where are you at? Um, I think when I first tried Living Cities and I was still working on I, I used to ambush some um, 
uh, Kurnoff hunters with great swords off the side, um, and then obviously ran into the limitation of you know the nine inch charge and stuff like that. So in which case I, I see it. You I could see you maybe doing some things with the Kurnoff hunters with bows if we shift to if you need to sort of kill some more like get that really long range and really focus on the shooting. I think Alariel is a really good option in, in there. What she brings, um, you know, the ability to move, shoot, move type stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Like you know, and all the healing that she can do um outside that you can also if you want to if you if you really enjoyed dirthy like you could do the same things or the spirit of dirthy you could do the same thing since he can pop in he can she has a shoot so he could shoot and move um you won't be able to find a wildwood to get the extra damage but like, you, you can at least make sure you deliver him where you want to so he doesn't get killed before he gets where he wants to um so there i think there are a few options i'd have to play around with it more um but even then like i there's still some value in things like the um not the sprite reverence the other ones the, the tree the, uh, the tree revs I, I, i've been waiting to say it there's some of my yeah. favorite units um the ways of the the, the is it the ways of the, the, the yeah. way pipes um yep. they can literally teleport around the board so if you're looking for something to get into the backfield and score uh, score savage spearhead or season objective um they can teleport from the board Love which is them. nice which is nice because even if you can't do that, the threat that you can do that means your opponent has to leave something behind to hold that objective. And they may leave, you know, that necromancer to say, oh, I'll take that objective. And like, cool, I will try and teleport and make that nine inch charge against that unprotected wizard you have in the back. Um, so it, it, even if you don't get to do it, it's that threat that sits there. And it's something that your opponent has to keep in mind. So maybe they have to keep a unit back. That, in other words, they would have just charged up and not care about. So I think they're another option to think about. They're pretty cheap i don't know i don't remember how many points are on top of my head one thing one thing i do love about them as well and people are talking about the gun show i do have a license folks <laughs> um preparing myself for lvo 23 like you know I've, I've already committed i'm going i'm gonna like i'm gonna get to a point where i can't scratch my back i'm gonna have to ask gareth <laughs> to come over and like scratch my back um but one thing i really love about them because i played a lot with shadow warriors and I really like Shadow Warriors. The problem I found with Shadow Warriors is once they're on the table, they're on the table. And the same is true with things like Canera. You can ally some Canera in. They're great. They come in from reserve. But once they're down, they're down. Yep. But units like the the trees, the the tree revs, but also mm -hmm. um, the Shadow Stalkers, the um, the Knight Shadow Stalkers, mm -hmm. they are they are a threat for the full five rounds because they can be a screen in turn one. You could pop them mm -hmm. down. They could be a screen for your army. If your opponent kills them, cool, you're not giving up broken ranks. But while there's, while there's still one model on the table, they can use their little way pipes to teleport around the board and, and take an objective or get into the backfield and, you know, cause some mischief. And, you know, turn three, turn four, they might teleport once, but you could be teleporting them literally every turn. So, you know, they are a constant threat. And if people ignore them, cool, I could take, take advantage and be annoying. But if people ignore them, uh, or if they focus on them, cool, it means they're not putting attention into the juicy stuff. Oh, yeah. And I had to look up how many points, but I don't think they're that many points at 80, all. So 90 it's 90 points. They're not that yeah. expensive. 
So it's not like you're breaking, you know, you're trying to, it's something where if you're like, hey, I have like 150 points left in, in a living city, it's like, yeah, I might as well throw them in uh, because just because of the, the threat that they pose to just go grab objectives. So um, yeah, they're, they're another good option to think about from the Sylvan. So there are a few options with Sylvanith. Um, and obviously it's there too, if you want to build a more thematic list. Um, so there are a few things to pull from them. And you know the big thing too, when I ever talk to people, it also comes down to your play style as well. I like fast, aggressive armies, um, but if that's not your pace, then you can build something that is a little bit more slow and methodical with the Sylvanist stuff as well. Like you could bring in some current off hunters with great swords or size and that type of stuff. I mean, if you're playing something where you want someone to come to you, that's something that's fine to sit behind a screen. Like that is pretty, still pretty dangerous. Um, because, you know, you could, there is an artifact you can take that gives, once per game, gives all Sylvanith an extra attack. So it is something that you could pop on your greatswords or sites and, you know, really push out some damage. And if you have the space, you can take the... Uh, do, you mean li do you mean Living City? Because greatswords wouldn't benefit from a Sylvanith rule. No, no, the, the greatsword, the, the Sylvanith... Um, the... Oh, sorry, you're, you're talking at Kurnoth Hunters with swords and sights. Yes, not, yes. Not, not free guild greatswords. I'm like, no, no, on no. earth did you connect those dots? No, 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 the 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 Colonel Prince is yeah, with yeah, the great sword, and then there's a artifact that lets gives all Sylvanith plus one attack, and then I think there's the the um he came when the uh, the one battle box he has the wings. You're I can't remember the, the art the arch rev or the tree rev. The, yeah, the arch rev. The little wig, yeah. I think his command ability gives plus one to attack or something like that as well. For so like you could like you could pump out an extra two attacks on a six man unit of you know Kurnoff hunters. Um, so th there are options that you can play around with with them um, that would do well in a living cities. It's worth calling out as well when you pull from living cities and stormcast, they're not allies, which means that that you're not restricted to four hundred points in a in a two thousand point list. So you could bring a Lariel, you could bring a storm, uh, you know, a um, what's it called, big storm Drake. You know, you mm -hmm. could spend lots of points outside of Stormcast. The other, the other quick thing I'll call out. Um, obviously, we got Sylvaneth potentially getting a new battle tome. We don't know what the mysteries or auto battle tome is. But the other cool thing about Sylvaneth is the Warsong Revenant brings the spell law of Sylvaneth with it. So if you want to get something from the lore of the Deepwood, it's actually on the War Scroll. So um, I think they changed the Lariel, um, no longer has it. I don't think a Lariel can benefit, but the War Song can. So um, if you're looking for some interesting shenanigans, you know, you might, you know, put down a, a Sylvaneth Wildwood through the Tree Lord or the Tree Lord Ancient. I can't remember which one puts yeah. it on the table, which doesn't. Um, look, it's just some things to think about as the meta progresses. The second one is I'll call out is the um, the attune to nature. It's a simple one. It's humble, but it's a nice one. You get to heal a wound to every friendly living city's unit. What does that mean to you? Um, well, first of all, don't forget it because half the time I forget it. You know, um, but it, it's nice with how everything shifted with um, definitely with like hero or monsters, hero monsters having the heroic heal. Um, it's nice because that's a little extra heal that you're taking. Um, 
you know, with in my list, I have um, Demogriff Knights with a three up. So which case you can get down to a two up. So it could mean that little extra heal here and there that just keeps, a, you know, an extra model on the table. It's not game breaking. It's not something you're going to plan around. It's just one of those nice little bonuses that you get um, that can heal a wound here and there. You know, maybe going into a double turn, you'll heal two wounds. So it's a nice benefit, but nothing to really game plan around. Yeah, it's a nice to have. And uh, Germ in the chat, I'm not going to bring it up because it'll come up, our, cover our face at the moment. But Germ says, you know, laughs in Nurgle. And you actually just reminded me, thank you, Germ, that with the um, Nurgle disease points, you can heal a disease point instead of um, healing a wound. So if you have like a single wound unit, Phoenix Guard, Fruville Guard, Duard, and whatever it might be, you clearly can't bring back a model that's single wound. You can heal it. You can heal multi-wound models, but you certainly can't bring a model back. But you could remove a disease token um, off your um, off your troops if you're facing Nurgle. So um, thank you for the reminder, even though I know that wasn't mm -hmm. your intention. But um, there's another little useful thing there. It could save you from spending um, uh, heroic recovery. And we know heroic recovery changed as well, so you can't do it when you're in combat. But attuned to nature, you can. So even if your monster heroes or your monsters are in combat, you're still going to heal while your opponent can't. So mm -hmm. another another nice little thing. You know, it's small, but it, you know, it could mean the difference between a model dying and not dying. The thing that is really powerful with the living cities is that strike then melt away. That is that when when people take when people take living cities, this is one of the big reasons. So essentially what happens is, uh, as we know, we can only use the command ability once, so it's only one unit. Um, and what's going to happen is if the unit is essentially shot, it's allowed to move again. So it, once you shoot at the end of the shooting phase, um, you can burn the CP and um, you'd be able to move in the, in the shooting phase at its core. That's what it is at its core without reading the exact rule. What does it mean? What does it mean to you from a, a play perspective and a list building perspective? Um, I mean, it's pretty much the big reason to take living cities. Um, it lets you, it gives your movement, your units a lot more movement. Um, you know, it combos well with the other ability that we'll talk about in a moment, the being able to ambush from the side. But even then, it's still a powerful ability of even if you do an ambush off the side, it's something that you can still, you know, um, you know, have that fast unit who can shoot, who's sitting next to you, who can shoot and then use them to move. The nice thing, too, that that played out a few times as well is that it, since you're moving in the movement or in the shooting phase, you can't actually trigger redeploy off of it as well. So you can have a you can sort of set yourself up for a nice charge and not worry about, you know, someone redeploying and then rolling that six and another nine inch charge since they can't, since that triggers in the movement phase. Um, it's also something where as much as, you know, we focus on things like, you know, the storm Drake guards or fulminators, it's something that's not, you know, to overlook on your regular, sh um, you know, uh, archers or things like that as well, because it is something where you could say shoot with your art, like move them up, shoot and then move back, or maybe you need to make a, a play for an objective. So, you know, it's something where you could shoot and get more bodies on the objective as well. Um, so, like maybe you move, do a redeploy, and then, you know, in your turn, or sorry, I'm th uh, thinking outside, but 
the idea is like no no no, some... no, you, no you, what, what you're saying is exactly correct the movement doesn't have to necessarily mean move and charge it yeah. is a movement and i think there's a lot of cool things you could shoot and then retreat not like retreat retreat but move backwards you mm -hmm. could move onto an objective you could move and screen uh, to avoid an opponent kind of getting to a charge if you take the top of the turn or you're worried about being doubled or, you know, sorry, you're at the bottom and you don't want to lose priority. Um, you could use it aggressively. Um, you could use it to position, you know, like one, one thing I, I played around with a little bit with something like was the um, like the dreadlord on black dragon. And, you know, he, he can be equipped with a crossbow. And I think the crossbow, because the noxious breath of the dragon is only like eight inches. Mm -hmm. So if you bring yeah. the dragon in from the side, it will be minimum one inch away from being able to use a noxious breath. But with the crossbow, look, I don't have to kill anything, but as long as it's shot, it allows me to then move. And it could mean I could move them in front of my um, Drakespawn knights to, mm. to maybe get a better aura. You know what I mean? Like there's so many ways you can use it other than just dropping from reserve, shoot, charge. Yeah. Uh, just like you're talking about before with the shadow warriors, like you drop them, yeah, and in which case you're like, I'm out of position, so you could move, shoot, and then start moving them, you know, across the board. They're elves, so I'm sure they're moving six inches, so you could at least get a 12-inch move out of them, which can then hopefully keep them more relevant. So, um, as much as everyone looks at it as a means to, you know, be aggressive with it, I think the real power comes from all that extra movement gives you much more board control, and it helps you maybe cover any mistakes that you're like, oh crap, I didn't realize this. Now you're like, cool, I at least had this option to screen with something or uh, to cover that mistake. I mentioned at the top of the show as well that I said Krondus and Karazai are better in Cities of Sigma than they're in Stormcast. And this is one of the really good reasons because Krondus, Karazai, Alariel, as a perfect example, all three of them are sitting on a base that is too big to come in from reserve because you can't, I think it's 160 mil bases like, 6.5 or 6.3 inches so it's too big to come in from reserve um i have to check the conversion but i remember you can't deep strike with them but you don't need it because krondas and karazai as an example i think they move 14 or 16 their shooting attack is 18 inches and then they essentially you for a cp they could do to themselves then move again mm -hmm. so you know if you want to get karazai which is the combat focused one um, into combat, well, beautiful. Move, shoot, move again. Um, you know, it's a, de a delivery mechanism for fulminators and you know units like that um, from reserve. Um, you talked about Storm Drake Guard. You talk about, as you said, Kurnoff Hunters or Durthu's even got a, a shooting attack. Right, you could you know do a mm -hmm. shooting attack and then move in Durthu, and he's gone down in points. So. Um, whatever it might be, um, the Living Cities unit, think about, you know, units that have sh a shooting attack. Um, that could be really beneficial. Something like even the Storm uh, the Storm Drake Chariot, the, the, the Chariot can have a shooting attack. And then, you know, you do a bunch of mortal wounds on the charge, depending on mm -hmm. how how high you rolled um, the, the, the charge roll. But there's just so much list tech with this. No, and I agree, like it's it's i'm trying to I, it sucks because i keep trying to think of like what is a what is a good unit you could do this with inside of cities just pure cities um and there's not many that i can think of but you could still do it with things like the uh um pistoliers you know like you could 
uh, or even or even the 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 grenaders like you could shoot and move away and not have to worry about those counter charge um because you can move up get your shot off since they can still run and shoot i believe you can run shoot them up and then use the uh command ability to fall back so that way they're not so much out there so i mean there are other ways to play around with it yeah the, ultimately the key you know cities has like 80 options to choose from or seven you know 60 or 80 then stormcast have another like 80 then sylvaneth brings another 20 or 30 you know so you've got a lot of options i think the key to this is is look for shooting units that have more than nine inches nine inches or more because then you can shoot when you come in from reserve i think that's the key right and how you use it you know you could come in and then drop back onto an objective or charge forward or, you know, come back into a buff range. Um, the, the choices are endless. Um, and then finally, I guess, is the, is the reserve stuff. And um, you've got to come in from reserve as long as you're wholly within six inches of the, the side of the board. So, and you've got to be outside of nine. So you're looking for yep. a nine inch charge, uh, obviously outside of the strike and melt away. And um, you've got to come within six, which is kind of where I said Kronos, Karazai, Alariel's bases are too big to come in from Deep Strike because it has to be wholly within six. Yeah. And as much as we talk about comboing the Strike the Melt Away with Hunters of the Hidden Paths, it doesn't always have to be a unit that can shoot. Most units in City of Sigma have a banner or a musician that gives them plus one to charge. So your charge is mostly going to be an eight-inch charge um, when you pop out of reserves. But that threat of having something that can pop up on the side or in the back um, will generally cause your opponent to think about how they deploy. They're going to have to spend time putting more units back, spreading themselves out as well to sort of try and limit your areas, um, which depending on the army you're playing means that they can't sort of bunch up in the center and sort of have this really scary ball where then they have to actually play the sides a bit more. So it is something where you can throw things like... Um, you know, Demogriff Knights, or you can throw the uh, Drake Spawn Knights. Um, really, anything that you want, like it becomes a threat that your opponent has to consider. And when you start talking about things like we were talking about before with the Tree Revenants, like you end up having a lot of threats that can go all over the place. And part of it is because of this, because I don't think you have to deploy them till typical like turn four. So, you know, you don't have to play them right away either. Like you can let them sit back and play them at the time that you need them. You know, you can show, you know, you could say play the center of the board and then, you know, have most of your things off the side where you, you it gives you option of which side of the board you want to play on instead of like fully committing in your deployment to say i'm going to play the left and right and the center now your opponent has to decide and they could say maybe deploy a few guys on the right and now you could deploy most of those things off the board on the right side where they're weaker in which case gives you a lot more easy time or easier time controlling that side where you know they're playing something that moves slow you know they're, they're going to struggle to start moving all their stuff over to take care of it. And now you have fast options or options to sort of to deal with that stuff. So it isn't always just a simple, let me deploy something that's going to move or shoot, then move, then charge. It could be something that has that threat of, you know, it's still pretty scary in the charge or even that I'm going to bring some things in that you don't know where I'm going with. And I actually can then react to the changing situation of the game. And I have things to react off of that instead of putting them on the board and say, well, crap, I, I deployed wrong. 
now you can sort of see what happens first. The other cool thing as well, and uh, Cameron mentioned it, thank you, Cameron Thompson, is, um, you know, you can take advantage of things like um, uh, the Luminarch, the Luminarch of Hish, which is like you yeah. draw a line of sight and whoever is within line, not line of sight, like you draw a line, um, and I think it's like a 30-inch range from memory, yeah. and they can take damage, right? So if you pop a Luminarch on the side of the board and then draw a line through the best possible way um, through your opponent's army, especially if you do an early, early strike, then you could hit a whole bunch of their units and do, I think it's D3 mortal wounds or from memory. It's been a while since I used the Luminarch. But the other thing that we mentioned in the show that I'll call out this particular point is that there are a couple of units in our book and other books which get benefits when they don't move. Um, crossbows are an example. Dorelia is an example. Um, the Iron Drakes, if they don't move, get a boost. There's a whole bunch of units from memory that if they don't move, they get either plus one to hit, plus one damage, plus one attack. There's some type of boost, right? So when you set them up on the board, a setup isn't a move. So then they get to take advantage of those and then shoot off and, and, and you know, do some real damage. And you can pop them wherever you really need to. Yeah, um, your crossbowmen you know, two shots each when they don't move at a 24 inch range. So you don't even have to deploy them like within striking distance. You could, you know, deploy them off to the side, shoot what you need to. And again, with the strike the melt away, you're not just like, oh, I'm just stuck here with my five inch move. Now you can still move them those 10 inches and keep them in the battle and stuff like that. So yeah, it, there are a few things, uh, Sisters of Avalon, another one I think, where they get extra attacks when they don't move. So it is very powerful for that as well to pop up and not have to worry about that movement part and then get all your shots off um, as well. Yeah, so that's another great tactic with it. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's not just a delivery mechanism for, um, for formulators. There's so many options that you can bring to the table. A couple of quick questions, and I want to bring up your list in a minute, and then I'll, I'll get your opinion as well on Gavin's list, given it's, it's another version of the list, and I thought, you know, it's very timely given that the LVO just happened. So um, if you want to lean into, like, Stormcast and the Dragons and the uh, Forminators, I think the only thing I would say to you is uh, know that uh, the clock is ticking. Any, you know, I'm just waiting for the minute that the coalition. I think, I think things like Sylvaneth will still stay true, and you'll gain Living City. But I could see a world in the next six months where Stormcast um, have the same coalition that that Chaos have. Uh, it seems weird that we've got two different versions now of the coalition. They've tightened it up on one side of the fence. I, I think our clock is ticking. So um, bear that before you start dropping all that big cash on on dragons. No, and I agree. It's you know, the, it's the nature of the game. Things are always changing. Um, uh, things are always updating. So it's one of those, you know, you just gotta stay up with it. And as much as things like that happens, it does suck. But at the same time, you know, you learn to adjust to it. You learn what you find, um, you, what you can find. So I'm sure eventually we'll see those things. Because um, same thing with the Stormcast. You know, the Stormcast have their own coalition rules with with uh, Cities of Sigmar, but they only get plus one bravery when they're near a Liberator. You're like, 
cool. <laughs> um, and, we can, and we can already not take them as general anymore. That's one big change that we yeah. had was that, you know, I would take, you know, the Knight in Cantor as a, as a, um, a general. You can no longer take Stormcast. So I, I feel like the clock is ticking for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, whether it is we just get a special rule for taking Stormcast and they can't benefit from everything, um, I would definitely... You know, I would definitely see that as a possibility. So I would say if you have, you know, the things to build those lists, I would do it now. But yeah, don't don't go run out and buy a bunch of stuff. If you're like me, I have three bookshelves full of stuff. So, well, I don't know if you can see there that the, that oh, IKEA yeah. cabinet. I converted the IKEA cabinet. It's only four shelves. I converted yeah. it to be eight. All mm. of that is Cities of Sigma. So it's eight shelves of Cities, and I've got more. And funnily enough, because of cities, I've actually now started Stormcast because I picked up like, you know, the uh, the Knight in Cantor. I picked up like the uh, the Knight of Xeros. I picked up so many Stormcast units for my cities that has mm -hmm. now led me down a path where I've got Dominion and I'm now actually building. Um, and then funnily enough, I think it was Jerome that said, you know, probably didn't change it yet because they want us to buy dragons. And I, yeah. I can't disagree with that. <laughs> I got I got four sitting at my desk that I just built. So <laughs> they're just a lot of fun. I think you know that's, yeah. it's the Timmy in us, right? You know, we all love dragons. We've all watched Game of Thrones. We all play Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's cool. They're fun. They're different. They're easy to paint, um, and they combine really well for cities. And you know, they they don't require a lot of synergy. Jerome, you you're kind of segueing me into what I wanted to ask was how did you how are you handling the meta? You know, we've got lots of shooting, the DOK, the Lumineth, you know, Cruel Boys have some monster shooting, you know, you got the Hero Hammer side, Mega Heroes, safe stacking, um, and then you obviously got the dragons themselves, especially like, you know, the, the the full dragon builds. You know, how do you think Living Cities handles the current meta? Um, again, that's the hard thing with cities is just there's so many options, so... You know, living cities um with the spell um iron oak skin i think it's the spell with the minus one the wound's really powerful um so like for example in the top table i played i played against someone who had uh six long strikes and he put all he did the double shooting to the free uh the phoenix guard and only killed about half my unit and then in my list i also have an emma life swarm and i think by the end of the game i pretty much brought back you know, I was back up to like 27 uh, Phoenix Guard. Um, so having that really core block that's hard to shift and hard to kill um, sort of forces the opponent to focus on that. Um, so generally, I feel pretty comfortable taking those really hard hits with them. Um, I'm sure throwing, you know, someone threw a bunch of shots into the the Marathi bow snakes into them. They they could look, weather through that pretty easily. I still think it would take a few turns to, to pull through uh, the Phoenix Guard. Um, and in which case, things like Demogriff Knights, I mean, they're not great, but they're still good enough to take down most things in combat, um, unless someone's really stacking a lot of saves. You know, getting minus two on the charge is still pretty strong. Still being able to pump out some mortal wounds. The Fulminators, again, can put out a lot of damage. So it's essentially, with Living Cities, you, you can get some really strong um, defensive blocks in there and then you still have all those really strong options so you can deal with those mega gargans who's sitting on objective you can take them out in one turn um 
or again, it's like you have that really strong shooting. You have the ambushing from the side where you could force them to, to deploy back so maybe they can't get their shots turned on. They have to force them to move up, and you can exploit the some holes that, that pop up, in which case now you can, um, you know, get those charges off into that range unit. Um, so you have those tools to sort of take care of those range units. You have those tools to survive a lot of the big hits. Um, and you have a little bit of healing to sort of help you weather through some of it. So I, I think it gives you a lot of options to react to those big, scary things. And it isn't simply just, oh no, Archeon's in my face, what I do. You're like, oh cool, I have things I can take care of and hold him down. And I have things that can move fast or move around the board and take care of those big range units and stuff like that. Yeah, and the Living Cities has some really cool options, right? You know, Spear of the Hunt as an artifact is awesome because it's, you know, adds an extra piece of rend. So if you put it on like a Knight Draconis, for example, the hero little dragon on the spear, it's a rend three charge and you fight first in combat, which is pretty nice. Or it could go on the Free Guild General on Griffin, and that got a boost in it. It got boost in it in White Dwarf, where once the Free Guild General on Griffin dies on a two plus, it comes back. Yeah. Like, incredible value um when when you look at that then you look at some of the spells you know all three of them are good whether it's life search for the heal i know skin which um gives you a minus one to to wound rolls against it and then even cage of thorns is a is a pretty mm -hmm. good little spell as well you've got some great um overall options and then you know you, you look at some of the command abilities like you know there's I think it was like the Iron Oak Art Artisan oh, yeah. um, was a nice one for me. You know, add plus one to saves that attack, the, uh, that focus on the general, plus you get to add one to wound rolls in melee. Yep. So, you know, you put Iron Oak Artisan with the Spear of the Hunt and you have a solid combat monster, even if you're building it around a Dreadlord, a uh, Free Good General on Griffin, or, you know, you, you draw from Sylvaneth or um, Stormcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even just taking... Um that on the, the i put that on my uh frost heart and then that turns it to you know ease i'm getting i'll bring, I'll bring up your list let's sure let's actually Sorry. bring up the list no 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 no, no. It's, it's probably good timing right you know so here is um joe's list so you know you've got yourself the anointed frost heart on um, phoenix um so that's the the frosty bird with the minus one to wound bubble um r.i.p fire phoenix that needs a, a war scroll update <laughs> Yeah. Um, you got the sorceress, um, who's got the arcane tome and the the one of the two one of the three spells, the iron oak skin. Um, you've got the unit of dread spears that goes along with the sorceress for the stabby stabby. But you've also mm -hmm. got the big block of the phoenix guard. Um, Thirty of them, ten dread uh, ten dread spears, ten free guild guard. Then you got yourself the formulator formanators, and um, and then the six demis. Um, I was always curious about the demis. I'm you know, demis have, have suffered from uh, the reinforcement issues and, you know, six demis will never get into combat. You're really playing with four at best in, in combat. And then you got your Emerald Life Swarm getting on the table from the Sorceress who's getting plus two to spell casting when she stabby stabbies. And then plus so talk one me from... Through... Oh, and then it's a plus one from City, so you get a plus three to oh, cast sure. endless spells. Of course, um, that, that was that, that was the change, right? We we don't get the the endless spell extension; we get plus one. So we, you know that's a plus three to the cast with Emerald Life Swarm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my list essentially is the thirty Phoenix Guard basically sit in the center, um, and they just move up as a come fight this. Um, 
generally I try to keep the frost heart two inches away from the front line because he has all of his attacks have a two inch range. So the nice thing is if someone charges into your Phoenix card, they all have a two inch range. So they're swinging in ranks of three. But then at the same time, you can also then allow your frost heart to get into combat as well. Um, and also get a few extra damage. He's not a combat monster, so it's one of those things I tell people is don't throw him in the front of everything and hope that he's going to, you know, take out, you know, 20, 30 units or models. Like, he's going to pick off some wounds here and there. His big thing is he's a big support piece, and he can get a few extra wounds. His other really big powerful thing is he's a massive, he's like a 16-inch movement um, at full health. So he's also something that can go fly away and go grab objectives or someone leaves that hero that they need that support piece, you know, undefended. You can fly over and get those charges off. Um, you can also just he's be a big pain in the butt with um, with the Iron Oak Artisan gives him plus one to save. When someone casts near him, he is plus one to save. Um, and then you could do, you know, Mystic Shield on him. So he's running around. You can save stack with a three up save on him, four up if you really want to do um, the uh, all out defense. And then he has a four up after the save. So you can effectively negate most Ren and then having a four up after the save is going to make him extremely hard to kill as well. I've got a burning question about the Frost Heart. One of the most common uses I see of the Frost Heart Phoenix with the Anointed is it comes with the Arcane Tome and Flaming Weapon. So a lot of people will put Flaming Weapon on the beak attacks of the Frost Heart Phoenix, but you have gone down and put the Arcane Tome on the Sorceress. Um, what's the logic behind not putting the um, the Frost Heart with the, uh, the Arcane Tome or... Maybe why why is the sorceress got the tome instead? Um, mostly because my idea behind it was to have to really support the Phoenix card. So I wanted her to be able to cast Iron Oak Skin and be able to cast it on a Life Swarm. If the Life Swarm's out, her innate spell is an 18 inch range d3 uh, mortals and minus one to hit so if my life swarm's already out then she can also cast her innate spell or mystic shield and then also still cast the iron oak skin the other big problem i have is it's great to get the um three damage on the beaks but it's still only minus one rend and so which case um three damage is great but when you hit something that can negate your rend and still running around with a two three up save you're like great maybe i did three damage with one of my swings it's not as valuable as being able to you know throw out a few mortal wounds and still sort of debuff something with that minus one to hit and then minus one to wound um also because as much as the Phoenix Guard tend to be the option of my Iono skin, um, it's something that I can throw on my Demogriff Knights and let them go run away and do things with because uh, I don't, they don't have to stay near them after the spells cast. So I could go throw it on my Demogriff Knights and they, they uh, don't need that much support anymore. And something that is, you know, great that you're hitting on twos, but if then you're wounding on fours or fives and then my Demogriff Knights still have a three up save after that, like they tend to be hard to shift when they're supported. Yeah. Um, Cause so they're forwards a piece, right? Like, like yes. Demi are tanky, right? They, they don't do a lot of damage. I'm, I've always, I'm always disappointed with Demi Griff Knights and their damage. They really are a defensive unit. Um, they will, I'll often use them to pin an opponent, you know, with a really good armor save with lots of wounds. You know, if they do some damage, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it but I'm never expecting them. Like I don't treat them the same as like a Fulminator, for example, like it's just no. 
way different. Um, so the other thing too, that, that also leaves my uh, Phoenix free to leave if I need to, because then I could still get that minus one, the wound from casting from the sorceress. So then I can use my 16 inch movement on my frost heart to then go grab objectives to go challenge things. Like he doesn't just have to babysit my um, Phoenix guard. So that's why I didn't really, the, the extra damage would be great if I could get it, but it's not a huge focus because to me, the frost heart's not, there for combat he's there to either go hero hunt or he's there to go grab objectives or support things and that's really his goal his goal is not to do a bunch of damage so i'd rather have the versatility of being able to shift those minus one of runes around or again have uh minus two to wound on my my um phoenix card and then you do finest hour in which case i still negated your bonus and you know, at that point, you're still probably hitting or wounding on fours or fives or something like that, which is a huge deal. Uh, Austin, aka just a typical Aussie, ma did make another good counterpoint. Um, not to say that you're wrong, Joe, but a good counterpoint is um, Flaming Weapon is only a casting value of four. And um, if the Anointed is casting a spell, you obviously get the plus one to your save um, if a successful cast, a spell was cast within range. So if your Frostheart Phoenix is running off, outside of the the the, the buff range because you've got to be within is it 12 or 24 i can't remember exactly the the number but you've got to be in range of the spell cast to get plus one so you could self buff but but i i, I can see exactly your logic um but and i can see why you'd want to do what you've said Sure, but you saw the Iron Oak Artisan, which you're still getting plus one to save from that anyways. So in which case, um, at that point, you're really just, if you really need to worry about rend, I mean, most rend is minus one, a simple all-out defense or a finest hour, and you basically negated it without having to stay near the spellcaster. So I mean, in a perfect world, that'd be great, but I think the value was more beneficial to me to have it on the Sorceress rather than on the uh, Frost Art. I agree. I, I guess my point would be the Frost Heart Phoenix, that combination with the flaming weapon mm -hmm. to get plus one to the cast might be better in like Tempest Eye, Hallow Heart and some oh, other sure. armies where you don't have the oak, uh, the Iron Oak Artisan to get that natural plus one. Sure. Um, but, but you know, if you are finding yourself in the future in a super high Rend meta where everyone's going Rend 3 and Rend 5, then it's an option. Yeah. But I think in Living Cities, I think to your point, it's probably a bit redundant to to double down on um, on pluses to, to armor safe when there's so much already mystic shield, um, mm -hmm. all that defense. There's just so much right now. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, compl I completely agree. And outside another city, I definitely see the value of being able to self buff yourself and get that plus one to, to your save. Um, I like running the frost heart with an aura of glory because then I can really use that 16 inch movement to really move my aura around where I really need it. So I've got a lot of benefit from doing that. So yeah, no, like outside of uh, living cities, I could definitely see taking that as an option. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I, I thought it was interesting, you know, nothing more. It's just a counterpoint. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think to your point, I agree. You don't need that many pluses because you, you put too much focus on the frost heart and you, you know, you've got so many other great units that you need to be thinking about buffing. So, um, so yeah. Anyway, you, you you've talked about the the frost heart, great support piece. It's a great hero. It takes a mm -hmm. lot to bring that thing down. To your point, it's not a damage dealer. So you know, building on like it's rend. I think what the beaks are is rend. one one of the attacks when 
there's is it the claws ren two and the beak nope. ren one? I think they're all ren one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you get four attacks with the hybrid. It's one damage ren one, and then the beaks at t top. It's like eight attacks ren one, two damage a piece. That's what I'm, like it's all ren one. Yeah, yeah. If it was if I had like ren two or ren three options, different story. And like, do I put a spear of the hunt on it? No, because then I lose the arcane tome ability. Yep. All right, I think we kind of talked too much about Frostheart Phoenix. It's good <laughs> good thinking, and uh, I think you've justified why no flaming weapon in Living City. But in other cities, definitely much more uh, benefit in that combination. Um, Dread Spears, they're my battery. That's what I basically call them. They're there to get stabbed, die, get my extra spell casting. They make great, you know... Um, screens if you need to as well. So like I don't mind moving my screen like them in front of something to screen out. Um, so they're really good for that. They're cheap. Same thing with Free Guild Guard. It's just another little screen where I can basically wrap myself around if I have to worry about someone popping up. Um, it gives me the option to sort of screen out if I need to. So that way I don't have to worry about someone charging into my backfield or popping up behind me and doing charges on me. Right, so again, it's just the Free Guild Guard can sort of go grab that objective on the side or they can sit back and just happily hold an objective for me. They're happy just to camp around an objective and you know, live their life or do what they do, which is take a charge and get killed, you know, but that's really their purpose. Um, that's are really you taking, are you taking the guard with swords, spears, yes. or halberds? Sword and shield. Um, I don't really have a reason outside of just they have a little bit better save. I'm seeing, I'm seeing people actually, um, starting to move towards halberds. Um, which makes me really excited because in the old Warhammer Fantasy days, I never left home without uh, swords, the free guild guard essentially with halberds because mm -hmm. of the safe stacking. Because you know, you get the shield, which means that it doesn't change the characteristic, it, uh, it just adds plus one, right? So, all that defense and any you know, mystic shield and things doesn't add really any other boost to these, these people. But I am, I have seen some, some cities players bringing in the halberds for the rend one, so. Um, I'm sure like the, the, the difference is like minuscule, but, uh, it was it's just interesting in third that I've seen a, a bit of a swing. So I don't know if it's a trend or if it's people just testing things. I could see the value of, you know, I could see it as something where people would ignore, you know, saving their attack priorities to, on them to last. So maybe you can edge out and, you know, take that, get a few wounds on, do a few damage, kill a few models, um, Outside that, I, I I don't I see it pretty just, you know, that's the only thing I can think of top of my head. I I think the um, back in the day when you could stack things, I think in a hammer hall you could get like minus four to hit, you know, which would make scary because I could run like a thirty block with halberds. Like that was pretty powerful. But nowadays, I I I wish I could bring a bunch of free go guard. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's only so many buffs you can you want to do with them. And then right now, again, the save the save meta that we're currently in. Um, you know, I used to love my free guild general on foot. You know, throw mm -hmm. down, hold the line to get plus one to hit, plus one to wound. But again, you know, you're playing the volume of attacks game. I yeah. think that combination is better with handgunners or crossbowmen as opposed mm -hmm. to all great swords, even. But even then, great swords with coherency. Right now, I'm, you know. I'm, I, I put down 10 great swords, 20 at most for redundancy, but, um, you know, the big blocks, I, I think I'm much better off, as you said, with, with a, a, a Phoenix guard and even like an anointed on foot to get the plus one to wound. 
um no. and they ignore battle shock no is it possible what, what's the no what's the, the command re-roll their wounds is that re-roll i, th I mm -hmm. think it was possible i think it was a possible one for some reason no it's nice it's even better. It's, it, yeah another scary the way to make phoenix card really scary is put a hurricane behind them as well and in which case they're two ups and then uh re-rolling with that re command ability re-rolling all wounds so i mean i've seen 30 blocks of phoenix card put out you know 55 damage or the minus one ren because they're two attacks a piece yes that, that's my hello heart strategy is have protect my hurricanum have 30 phoenix guard have the anointed on foot to get the re-rolls uh make sure they're immune to battle shock so i'm not spending mm -hmm. a cp to keep them around if they happen to die because usually your opponent throws everything and the kitchen stinks to try to take down the phoenix guard with a block of block of 10 they'll ignore or block of 30 they'll throw everything oh, at them yeah um so yeah Phoenix Guard to talk about them. They're they're extremely hard to kill with a four up save and then a four up after the save. Um, so they're extremely hard to shift unless you're just rolling really bad. You know, I've had games where you're like, oh man, I'm rolling so many four ups, I feel invincible. In another game, you're like, I can't. Like I've rolled like one four up and took you know off of ten damage and I lose nine. Um, so I'd always tell people like Phoenix Guards are great. They're really hard to kill. But luck cannot be on your side sometimes, and sometimes you lose more than you think you will. Um, other than that, the fulminators, you know, they sort of speak for themselves. They're they're strong. They um, exploit the move, shoot move, the 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 melt away thing. Um, they're getting that extra rend has been huge on them having minus two rend and all their attacks is big. The volume of attacks that increase that's sort of the strange thing with the concussors stayed at three attacks a piece whereas fulminators moved to five attacks a piece which is huge so i mean one by themselves on the charge is doing you know what i can't do math on top of my head all of a sudden they do, they do they do a lot like i watched um was it was i think it was the the lvo stream where gavin rolled four of them buffed up into a mega gargant levan's uh, oh. uh, mega gargant and i think they did 42 damage in that round of combat Oh between, yeah, I think the mortals on the charge, then the you know the high volume attacks. Um, mind you, that was in uh, living. Yeah, it was in living cities as well. Like they do a lot of damage. They do mortals. They do good amount of attacks. And um, I played against formulators as well in Stormcast, and not only is this Stormcast trait, but you know you find yourself and do a rally. Like that's what are they, what are they six mm -hmm. wounds, five wounds a piece. Six five, wounds. They're six wounds six a piece now. So they, so they're counting as multiple on an objective. So being that they're mm -hmm. five or more, it means they count to more more on an objective. And if you can get a rally on them, that's a that's a pretty pretty brutal rally. Oh yeah, I mean, just getting one fulminator back is is huge. Um, and they're three up save on top of that too. So um, they they are not. They're hard to not include in almost every list I put together right now just because of how good they are. I mean, like putting them in a hammer hall list, being able to attack twice with them is just devastating. Tempest Eye, being able to get the extra movement, um, again, the plus one save. Um, you know, Living Cities, being able to ambush off the side, shoot, and then move. But even then, not even just ambushing, you can keep them back on your side of the field. And then you still got a 20 inch movement with them with your move, shoot, move. So you can really use them to get places you need to and really target those key pieces. So if someone has like an Archeon on the board and they don't protect Archeon, they can take him down pretty easily. Um, 
you know, they put that really scary shooting unit, then you have the movement to get to it if you can get around um, their screens. Another good or thing of, to think or of, of glory and tempest die that that's yeah. a brutal like getting plus one attack it's like they're already brutal enough um because i'm sure it's funny i don't know if gavin did it because of me because i played gavin in the u.s open and i played a hammer hall list where i was using the um the um the the oh my god prime time? The, the the prime because yeah, i was letting yeah, and I had uh, I had twenty uh, crossbowmen, and I basically used them to shoot screens. So I was basically just taking out screens with them, which are then opening up charges. And so it's another thing you could do crossbowmen with your um, an option for this with your fulminators. You can then you know drop fulminate or crossbowmen, or even not even drop them with twenty four inch range, and then shoot out screens and basically you know put a volume of 40 60 attacks with most screens don't have a great save in which case you probably take a good chunk of those out and then fulminators can follow behind that and hit those good targets that you want to hit well i was listening to i was listening to harambe's heroes which is the podcast that the midwest have and gavin was obviously talking about his his um his run to the lvo win and one of the things he was mentioning was the crossbowmen was so important to his strategy. Like they were really, the, he, he called them the MVP. And the reason, because you can't rely purely on mortals because, and I've, I've, I've had this discussion in Discord for a while now. I've been talking to a few people and I've been talking about the fact that I can feel that we're on the verge of a horde meta returning because right now it's elite bodies, hero sniping, you know, it's very tough right now. Not a lot of screens out there. And, you know, you throw down a Gits or a Skaven or a Beast of Chaos with lots of bodies and lots of chaff. And, you know, even if they're not blocks of 60, but they're more about just like multiple layers of 10s and 20s, um, you really chaff up the board. And if, you know, Lumineth Sentinel shoot off my five wound hero, yeah. okay, cool. Well, guess what? I've still got 120 Gits running around the table on an objective. You know, who cares? Like, I don't care about, you know, bow snakes shooting me off and double shooting. Cool. I still have 120 grots on the table. And you saw that with the um, the zombie list as well, 120 zombies. And without the crossbows looping back to where I want to go, without the crossbows or a high volume of attacks, the mortal wounds from dragons and the forminators and things like that, you wouldn't clear the chaff in order to get to the juicy stuff. And I think that's probably where you got to think about what is going to clear up the hordes because you don't want to be wasting your forminators on five five up six up one wound bodies because yeah. you just you're not getting the best out of your unit yeah no exactly i mean those, those are the things your opponent wants you to charge those are the things they want them to run into so if you can clear those things out of the way with some volume of attacks that leaves you open to charge with your, your fulminators um um and to go in the demogriff knights um you know as you talked about, they make they're they're hard to kill. That they're sort of a pain in the butt. They don't always do the best in combat, but they're they they can be swinging. I've had them go in and just obliterate stuff on the charge, and I've had them go in and I feel very frustrated when three of them actually hit, and um, you know I'm I'm walking away doing like five total damage to something. But I think the strength is the fact that they they can be so hard to kill that they can sit there for a while and they can sort of stay in combat. Um, so where they can tie something down and maybe then the fulminators come up behind them and finish them off. Uh, they were the one thing in this list I was, I was sort of, I wish I had more time to play around with, but they're sort of, my, I had a few points left over to throw something and that's what I went with. 
to call out somebody in the chat who makes potentially an interesting comment or at least an undertone of maybe cities, right? Um, and I think maybe Gavin maybe kind of like supercharged this sentiment. Chorf mentioned in the chat, um, you know, this is a Stormcast list, not a, a cities list. First off, it's not. It's just one bloody unit of Stormcast. Chill out. But, you know, compared to like the second list, which is Gavin's list, where there's, you know, there's bloody more Stormcast in this list than, than what you've got, Joe. But I think mm -hmm. the sentiment here is that, you know, if you want to build around um, purely cities, then absolutely. Like, this is not the golden list. This is not the one and only list that you can run, right? But I think it's about the theme. What is it that can be a real good hammer that can also shoot, has some type of shooting attack? And we mentioned at the top of the show, Durthu has a shooting attack. Drycha, mm -hmm. I think, is an incredible living city model. I really mm -hmm. like Drycha. Or it could be Alariel. It could be, uh, oh, no, not Kurnoth Hunters, because you probably don't want to get bow Kurnoth Hunters into no. combat. You know, and, and now your sides and your swords don't have a shooting attack. You know, you could look at, um, you know, some of the other Wanderers models or, you know, look at the Free Guild range. I mentioned the Dreadlord on Black Dragon with a little crossbow. There are so many different options. I think that the core of this is what is my hammer unit that mm -hmm. can shoot, that can then get in and get into the thick of it. So if it's not Forminators, and I appreciate that some people don't want to run Stormcast, cool. Find someone who plays in that role. Completely different. Yeah. And, dry, um, and, and like, I love Drycha. By the way, Drycha as a silo agent, living city, drop her off in the side of the board, Absolutely, do some flutterby stuff. She's great in combat. She's great in shooting. She doesn't need anyone else to buff her. Um, she is just an absolute terror. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't have to just use Stormcast. And I mean, even going back, like you know, one thing I remember reading way back, even from 2.0, like everyone said, free guild or the Phoenix Guard are too like they're too good. Like they're going to be in every list, but you can still achieve a really tanky unit with the um, Eternal Guard, uh, I think what they're called. Um, the Wanderers, where basically they don't move, they get plus one to hit, plus one to wound, plus one to save, and then you get the um, Sisters of the Thorn basically make sixes back to mortal wounds, and so long as you don't move at any point, that spell stays on them until they move. So you can cast it once and be done, and then you have the Spellcasters that run around the free to do other things because they can take other spells. Um, and then you put that with Iron Oak Skin as well, so they're minus one the wounds. Um, so you have other tanky options as well to, to play around with. And you could go like a full Wanderers, really thematic list, and I still think do well with having like Sisters of Avalon behind them or um, you know bringing in like the Luminarch, as someone said before, and shoot that across the whole army, turn mm. one, do mortal wounds, and then probably move away and make it harder to charge them afterwards. So I think there's a lot of options to play around with. I think you just got to find something that fits your play style too. Yes, 100%. You know, I'm really a counter, a, counter, um, a counter play type of person. Like I do not like being the aggressor. Um, I despise being battle regiment because I don't like being first or going second. I mean, it's not. It's good to know who goes first, goes second, but I'm someone who likes to see what my opponent wants to do, counter-deploy, uh, play off the back of it and out-strategize them as opposed to this is my point click, this is what I'm going to do, the end. Yeah. And I think the other kind of build to this, and I, I want to call out Gavin's list. Um, sorry that my little overhead's kind of uh, talking about this. But one thing I really wanted to call out from Gavin's list is Derilia. 
and I've mentioned it a few times. It's probably someone that people aren't talking a lot about, but I really like Dorelia. So Dorelia and her father, Gallen, they were a part of the Broken Realm series. They're the father and son witch hunters from the Cursed City, I think it is. And um, what essentially happens with Dorelia, um, Gallen is more of a combat, I wouldn't even call him a monster because he's not that good in combat, to be honest. That's why you don't see Galen in, in, in lists. But Dorelia has this crossbow, and it's, it's a pretty good profile. And if she doesn't move, she gets two attacks as opposed to one. And it does double damage to wizards and demons. Demons. Yep. Wizards and demons, right? And what's cool about Dorelia is she's only like on like a 32, 40 mil base at most. So to zone out Dorelia on a table is near impossible. And it means that you can just snipe. You, you come up against a greater demon. You know, you've got that change host or you got, you know, the Lord of Change. Boom. You know, you're going to pop it like a tot. You know, there's some type of support hero. Get two attacks, really good profile. Um, you can, you know, you can one shot or at least significantly damage. And there's a lot of wizard heroes, monsters and demons out there at the moment. So plays really well to the meta. Um, Jonathan's telling me it's a 28 mil base. Even if it's a 32 mil base, you can you can pick literally anywhere on the board and put Dorelia where you want her. Again, so long as you're inside of you know six inches. So um I really right. like the Dorelia edition. And for 115 points, she, she'll she'll be a, a minor, you know, a sub commander. She'll fit into this pretty easily, and you don't need to support her. Nope. And I think, yeah, with a 24 inch range, I think she hits on threes, wounds on two with minus two rend. And then mm. she has a four up ward as well. So so in which case, you know, she's not going to survive being targeted, but she's also not going to, you know, it's going to take a little bit to take her down too. Um, so and do you yeah, bother, she's like, other like attacking her when you got again so many other things running around. No, I guess my thought was like you just don't throw like that ten man unit you have in the back, or, like you'd still be scared of like, you know they might kill her, whereas with a four-up ward, she should be able to survive taking on, like, at that unit turn around and charge her. She can, she can live through that fight. Um, yeah, I, I, I think she... I, I think it's a five-up ward. I'm, I'm being oh. clarified that it could be a five-up ward. But four-up, five-up still is, you know, five wounds, five-up ward, still pretty tasty. Pop her in cover as well. You could always deploy mm -hmm. her in cover for plus one save, so... But yeah, so so she she's a really good option. Um... I've noticed, and I've been playing around with her a bit in a few lists, at least proxying her and giving her a try before I go ahead and buy the model. But um, I, I think she has a lot of potential to be used in more lists. And at like 115 points, it's it's a really easy choice when you're like, I have enough wizards. Like, you know, I don't, I can't get any other buffs. Let me throw her in for that extra damage. And she goes to be one of your two units that needs to be in your opponent's backfield to score yep. uh, Savage Spearhead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's one in two. Then all you've got to have is a Shadow Warrior, Canary, um, Tree Rebs, whatever it might be, and yep. boom, you've scored your battle tactic. Yep, uh, easily. Um, uh, Jerome's asking, what what about the Gargant that Order can take? So that would be um, the Kraken Eater you've got access to, which is cool mercenary, but it won't gain the Living City's keyword. So you wouldn't be able to take advantage of the move and shoot. The Kraken Eater isn't a damage dealer. It's more of a utility piece, while your Gatebreaker, which is the one that you can't get, would be much more beneficial. But again, you don't get the keyword. Any thoughts on the Megas in... It's a big allocation. Like, um, Yeah, I think 
point wise it's a lot of points for something else that i can take for that many points i think could do more um it'd be interesting to play around with i don't know how it would fit into the meta but i think the biggest downside is just not being able to get things like whatever cities you know artifacts or, or command traits or their bonuses not having those things would be would, which would make it really hard um but you know it, it's still it could be a very nice like um distraction piece that you go play on the side with um i could see it being used that way um but if, if it got all the city stuff then i'm sure there'd be a lot of plays with it but without it it sort of suffers from a lot of the ally issues um, you get you, you're getting like a meat. You're getting a big a piece of meat. Like you're getting 35 wounds that are sitting on an objective, but you, you're not getting the synergies that you probably need. The best I think you can give him is plus two to charge from a Gur battle mage. I'd have to sit there and really dig through the book to see if there's any that just say friendly. But kraken eaters don't do much damage. Yeah. Um, they are just they don't they, they they're underwhelming um, in damage. Uh, so I, I wouldn't even bother. Um, one thing, like I, I think, you know, this ties nicely to a couple of wrap-up questions I had for you. And, you know, Battle mm -hmm. Tactics was one. And Cameron even mentions a really good comment, you know, a Shadow Warriors and then having an Assassin in them. Boom, there's your Battle Tactic. There's mm -hmm. Savage Spearhead done. There's another great. And what I love about Assassins is um, is unlike, because I play Gloomspike Gits, people on the channel know this, with my Fanatics when they hide in a unit, I've got to write down and declare where my Fanatics go. Mm -hmm. So if a unit gets destroyed and the Fanatics were in there, I, I had like Scarbrand, kill 54 goblins in one round of combat once um and my fanatics were hiding in there right so i almost <laughs> lost my unit of fanatics thank thank thankfully i had you know inspiring presence for them. yeah but with assassins you don't have to declare where they are they just pop up as long as there's five mm -hmm. models in the unit so that could be another great example where you pop in the phoenix you know if you need them in the phoenix guard boom you could count it you know you could potentially deny a uh, an objective claim or a uh a pile in piece or yeah, yeah a, a battle tactic but do you have any favorite battle tactics that work well with your type of style because you are definitely high movement um definitely the things like getting to in your opponent's territory really work well um conquest works well if they leave something undefended with all the movement um the claim to holding that within your territory is usually pretty easy since you know most objectives don't ever really start holding your in your territory um i find those ones are pretty easy to get um with the high damage it's also usually with the fulminators it's usually easy to, to plan out how to do like bring it down or um you know kill a battle line i actually find myself not doing the run three a lot just because it's like if I do it turn one, that's about the only time I really have time to do that one um, because I generally have a high enough movement where it's hard. Like by the time I get to round two or three, if I haven't done that, I'm already stuck in combat and it's hard to really do that unless it's like turn five and I still have enough things on the board to do it. Um, that one I find tend to be harder in this list than other lists. It's usually, a, you know, a, not even a decision for most people turn one like that one. I, I generally have a harder time doing um so yeah I, I i played i don't know if you played around with this i tried the some of the uh the new white dwarf ones and i i put some flagellants in my list to try to score them and it's in it's near impossible like i'm like why am i doing this like i, I wanted to try i wanted to try it because i think you've got was it you've got to have two flagellant units 
outside an objective and then get within an object. No, 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 that's, that's the banner one. There's a free guild one where there's a, your banner's got to be near the objective. Mm. There's a flagellate one where it had to be on the other side. It's, it's, I tried it. I'm like, no, nah, this is trash. I'm not, I'm not focusing on, on flagellants uh, until you give me back my war altar of Sigma. Yeah. Uh, Devin, Devin, I, sorry, I just need to call out Devin. You're a jerk. Uh, don't, don't be trash in my free guild. I think I think for me, free guild struggle a little bit in this because um, especially, or maybe, maybe not. I guess my free guild, because I love my free guild general on uh, on foot. And, mm. you know, that doesn't, that forces you not to move. If you want to get plus one to hit plus one to wound, you mustn't move. So I guess, I guess it could be a nice, anvil where i move up my gut my crossbowmen my handgunners my my people that hold the objectives while other things come in from the side because it's a hero phase command ability so mm. popping them in reserve and trying to get plus one hit plus one to wound on let's say sideboarding crossbows wouldn't work because i wouldn't get the plus one hit plus one to wound unless i won the double turn and then applied it in the second hero phase yeah it sounds like you're just playing for the double at that point yeah, that's a, yeah, it's not it's not a viable strategy. Um, but yeah, the battle tactics I think really work in your favor because you've got the manipulation. As long as you've got a really ha strong hammer unit, and again, the Forminators are a good example. If not, I think Spear of the Hunt. I think if I if I'm not going to take if I'm not going to take Forminators, and I'm I'm refusing to take Stormcast like my dragons, I think mm. Free Guild General on Griffin with Spear of the Hunt is how I would build a hammer unit. Maybe even two of them because again. They can come back on a two up. So, um, I think they only heal D three or something like that too. Unfortunately. Yeah, but it, but it still comes back, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. Still, it, it still gives you a second tool. Yeah, you could do that. You could also do it on like Spirit of Durthu, and I think really try to get some extra rend on his uh, his big hit as well. So those would be. I think that there's ways to use the Spirit of the Hunt as well, because the other nice thing is you get to attack first in combat if you charge. So yes. Yeah. So it is something where you can charge it in, charge something else, and then get both in the swing. So that's the other big thing with with the spear of the hunt. Um, there, there's ways to build it without stormcast. Just stormcast got an update, so it's sort of just you know let's take what we can from them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, it, I guess depending on who you who you are, and some people couldn't care less. They're happy to bring some um, some stormcast in their list. Some people, you know, we're not saying again. There's one way to play it. Um, Richard asking, and I think it's an interesting one. Um, uh, I, I know you're focusing on tournament lists, which we certainly are, Richard. But do you think Living City would fare in a larger game where um, where you're coming from an alternative edge not, is not all available? So if you ever played like a 4K or a 5K game, um, I think my 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 feedback here, and I have played some pretty large games like 5K games because um, you, you don't play on a traditional table. You play on multiple tables. You certainly have a bigger table than what you're currently playing on. So you should probably find yourself with space still. Uh, it might be a little bit harder. You might need to be a bit more situational, but I don't think Living City loses a lot if you go into like a 4 or 5K game, so long as your table size also increases to like an apocalypse style. If you played on like a 6 by 4 or like a 60 by 44 then, yeah, you're not bringing anything on reserve. Like it's just too small for too many models. Yeah, that that is a lot of models for that small table. I again remember too, it isn't just about the reserve; it's the move and shoot stuff too. So, if you're playing on a bigger table, you still have those options to move whatever you need to and stuff like that. So, 
most people just bring more hero monsters. Like when you got more points, you're just like, cool, I'm going to do minimum battle line. I just want all the hero monsters. I'm going to bring everything I can. I don't, I'm not going to chaff up the board. And look, no. you know, Jonathan, you make, you make a good comment, you know, the Knight Judicator as well. You could do some, you know, interesting. There's so many options you could do. You know, prosecutors are, are, are have, have a shooting attack as well, which is great. They can charge 3D6 as well, which I think is a nice little uh, option if you want to have, like, Forminators coming from the side and you want to charge with something extra. I think I think the prosecutors are a, uh, a sleeper unit. But maybe my last question for you, Joe, um, you know, really conscious of, of your time is, is there any armies that you struggle with from a living city's perspective and whether it's your specific list or just in general with the, you know, this type of army, you know, I imagine hordes make things a little bit harder, um, but, you know, what are the, what are the armies that you do avoid or you don't, you know, you don't as easy? Um, Something with large amounts of um, screens. So I think like the soul blights that utilize a lot of zombies to screen things out would be hard just because they have such a large footprint. It would be hard to, you know, it's hard for them to exploit their movement when they're getting six inch pylons um, and um they have they can take up such of the board space like one of the players i play against a lot who's another one of the top players drew he uses undead really well he uses soul blight really well our games are always really close and i tested out my list against him and i end up losing against him because of the fact that um you know he played very smartly he brought dogs in and then actually was able to screen out my fulminators from the back so i couldn't like move shoot and move um so so a lot of screens make it hard. Um, other armies on top of that, I don't know. I, I think it's just mostly. Would, would you say anything of... with like pre-game moving or like is it, is it six-inch piling and pre-game moves or is it more specific to like hordes? Because you know, there's there's things like the the uh, is it the untamed beasts from uh, they do like a, a free move. You've got um, you've got you know sisters of slaughter and other units that can do 6 inch pile in is it the reapers avenger not reapers avenger so one of the the corn bloodthirsters is going to do a 6 inch pile in so is it that type of thing or is it more the bodies on the table that can block off where you want to go i think it's mostly the bodies that can block off where i want to go um because i don't have the amount of bodies outside of the Phoenix Guard to um, really go control objectives. So if you can block me out from taking the objectives or where I need to go, and I'm just stuck chewing through, you know, hordes of stuff that don't really matter, then, you know, I'm going to hit a 30 block of zombies. I'll get rid of them, but then I'll be, sus you know, I'll get charged by 20, you know, grave guard with great swords behind that. And, you know, I'm not going to survive that even with good saves or, you know, they're getting a zombie dragon is counter charging my demo, my uh, demogriff knights. And then they're not going to survive through a, a zombie dragon with a vampire Lord. Um, so, it's really just if you have the bodies to zone me out and get, not allow me to go where I need to, then I'm I'm gonna struggle. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I can see that you know. And look, the good news is right now the horde meta as it is at an all time low. 
Um, you know, definitely not nearly as many Skaven or Gits or Beasts of Chaos or big blocks of Free Guild Guard or zombies. They're not seeing a lot of zombie and skeleton type builds. Definitely more towards the Grave Guard. But something to keep in mind if you see the meta starting to shift is what is going to clear your hordes and overdoing it in mortal wounds is probably the risk that you play because when you come up against again those big hordes mortal wounds mean nothing and you're not doing enough damage especially when zombies come back on what is it a two up and then they come back again so all gits come back you know half the unit comes back from the loon shrine so you just don't have enough damage so you know yeah. uh, and jerome i agree with you he's you know horde meta is coming back i think we're on the cusp of once there's some shifts in the unit coherency or Skaven get a new book and there's a new allegiance that's a bit more flexible with um, with it, uh, I can see the Horde meta starting to come back a little bit. Not what we had in second edition, but I think we're probably not not too far away from that hitting the tournament scene. Um, Hordes and Marauders, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think Marauders suffer from, are they on 32s? No, they're on 25s. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last question I've got for you, and uh, I, I, I'd be remiss if it wasn't actually from Mitchum, um, has said, have you won a tournament with every city's list yet? Not quite. I've won with Hammer Hall, Living Cities, Tempest Eye, Hollow Heart, um, the one I always forget now. Anvil Guard? Anvil Guard, yeah. Yeah, because it's now Harkiron. It doesn't matter. Anvil Guard's yeah. dead. Long live Harkiron and Marathi. I did a very mean thing with uh, uh, Vitriol Spray and um, Archeon. Killed him with 20 dra- uh, Dark Shards. Ooh. No save. Yeah. Um, so I've won with all those. I've been trying to build a Greywater list and a Phoenician list and haven't been able to quite do it. I've seen uh, Jeremy. I've seen him play that list. I think he won the uh, um, Iron Realms. or not Iron Realms. The Flying Monkey. Yes, Flying Monkey Con. Yeah, yeah. I saw him. I was watching him play that there. Um, so he, he's he's found a way to make it work. And well, you might I'll want to speak it. to Jonathan here. He's in he's in my Discord, but uh, I think he's four and one at a tournament. Uh, he's he playing. He's playing like an online TTS hundred player tournament from memory. He's like four and one with Greywater. So nice. um, there's some source in there. I I still believe to this day that Tempest Eye is superior than Greywater. There's very little benefit. Oh yes. Um, but jonathan's in my in my uh ear telling me otherwise but yes to devon's point as well we do have now settlers gain which came from broken realms yep. tech list. you got mist harvin which came from broken realms Marathi, as well as obviously harkiron uh excelsius is one that i was starting to play around with a little bit to see if there was anything in excelsius and i think at the moment the answer is no i don't think there's no. nearly enough for me to give up one of my core cities no, I agree. It's it's something I've I've kept trying to play around with, but I can never find anything. Um, Settlers' gain, I think, has a lot to play with. I'm still trying to think of something that isn't just Sentinels. I think you have some play with um, the big mountain uh, guys with giving minus one to hit. I think you can do some really good tanky builds with that. Um, so I, I've been trying to figure out something for them, but I, I still haven't found something that satisfies me. And I sort of get to this problem where I'm just like, I'm just including, you know, Fulminators and Phoenix God. I get tired of I feel like my list are the same regardless of the city. Um, so that I, I tend to then move away from that. I think Settlers game was more interesting to me when they had the battalion and I could do some nice little combinations with the Huracanum, Luminarch and Battle Mages mm-hmm. along with like Teclas. 
that when they lost that that battle at uh, the battalion to now be a narrative battalion, I lost interest in in, in settlers game. But there's still some good stuff. You want to go sentinels. You want to get law masters. You want to get some something. I don't know kangaroo riders. But um, that's just yeah. It's not certainly for me. But uh, I think it's cool. We got a lot of great options, and I think you know ultimately cities has some really good flex right now. But again. My, my warning to you all in, and I don't, I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, I know something and it's coming soon, but I think it's the risk that when you start playing with coalition units, especially Stormcast, you just got to look over the fence at Chaos to see what they've done there. And, you know, you look at Nurgle and they don't, you know, any of the Slaves to Darkness units don't get, or even like Clans Pestilence, they don't get to do Allegiance stuff like disease tokens and all of that stuff. So should they tighten that up? And I feel, again, it's it's a matter of when, not if that um you know that might change the value so don't over invest in, and buy yourself a crondus purely for that one reason but it's a bloody cool model yeah buy it to paint it because it's pretty awesome yeah and if that happens just go all dwarf oh you said all dwarf or altoff because altoff is a no, superior no. empire city no all dwarf all dwarfs all hammers you know iron drakes you know if you if you lose stormcast just Get all the long beards, or you just do like I did and just go com just commit a hundred percent to Stormcast, um, which is what <laughs> I'm doing. Which is now what I'm doing for General's Handbook 22. So I've I've moved over the fence to do to to do Stormcast. But Joe, this is awesome. As people know, I could talk cities till the cows come home, and literally 24 hours from now, I'll be talking to Jeremy with the Phoenician who went five and zero as well. So. Um, he went a 5-0 at LVO with a Phoenician zero. Oh, pretty sure he had no dragons. So I don't think he had any Stormcast in there from memory. So um, check that out as well. You know, get some different ideas for your cities regardless. And you know what? A lot of things that Joe's mentioned can still be transferable to some of the other cities. Just, you know, look for some of the combinations and synergies. But the movement in living cities definitely plays well to third edition and where we currently are in the meta as it shifts, you might find we go back to, I don't know, Hallow Heart. Who knows? The next battle pack could be all about wizards and Hallow Heart would reign supreme there. But, Joe, if people wanted to talk to you, mate, if they wanted to, like, you know, list tech with you or they wanted to get involved in the in the Great Plains Masters series and they want to learn more because they're in the Midwest, where can people talk to you, chat with you, find you around the internets? That's, uh, I'm not, I don't really have an internet pre uh, presence, unfortunately. Um, we have a Discord for the Great Plains, so I would uh, bug Mitchum, who I, I see pop up in the chat. Like, he definitely runs all that. Um, get yourself involved. I think we had, like, 80 players last year, so it's something that we're looking to still grow. Um, and that, re and the, that region, by the way, just as a reminder, is the what region? That's the Midwest, but specifically it's not Texas, but it's, like, what, Oklahoma, and you oh. said like Kansas, I think Missouri is part of it, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, if anyone wishes to travel and stuff like that, by all means, I'm sure we would be happy to include more. Um, you can find me on Facebook. And if you have any questions, you can, I guess, bug me on there. Um, I don't really have a, much of an internet presence. So... Well, you're a celebrity now, and uh, we'll have to get you up to speed. You'll be, do you'll be doing TikToks in no time. But <laughs> Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Almost two hours of powerful knowledge about living cities. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned a lot. It's great to hear how you're thinking about it. And, you know, there's a lot of cool lists out there, and people will start exploring this. I challenge you to look at things like Dry Chart, look at things like, I think, um, Dirthu getting points adjustments in the winter FAQ 
now makes me question because Durthu is a good little monster unit, especially like Durthu's problem was always when he starts getting bracketed, he becomes hot mm-hmm. garbage. But with the metamorphosis that that you can fight at the top of your bracket, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that does become really powerful. And Durthu has like an attack that can like instantly slay models. So um, mm-hmm. I think Durthu is a viable consideration. Um, yep. As I mentioned Drychar. I mentioned the Warsong Revenant. And who knows if Sylvaneth get a new box, uh, a new battle tome in the the mystery, then you know this could be a whole different conversation for living cities. Yep. Um, yeah, you can definitely pull whenever whenever other order armies team get updates, we get updates too. Yeah, it, yeah, Devin. It's the it's the command ability for playing in Gur. It might not be metamorphosis, whatever. Oh, metamorphosis turns you into a monster. It's whatever the command ability is that allows you to fight at the top of your bracket, whatever it's called. But uh, you kind of know what it's at. But if people want to know more about the server, uh, you can message me on my Discord and I can link you. I'm not going to put it in the chat because bots will attack you and I don't want the bots to come for you. But, Joe, thank you for your time. It's been great. I'm going to go get myself a drink and probably walk the dog. But uh, you all not to do here, Joe. You're an absolute legend. And like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank all you right. for having me. Thanks, folks. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.